Hi guys, Stu here. If you could support the podcast by following us wherever you subscribe to your podcast, that would be amazing. If you are enjoying our videos on the YouTube channel, uh, like and subscribe, like the individual videos and subscribe to the channel. Just search for Henry Weston's Old Mate. The continued support helps us to be able to provide more and more content going forward. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Okay, and here we are. It's Henry. Oh, who? Henry. Henry Weston's old mate. The podcast with a speech impediment. Sorry about that. Good start. Um, I'm Phil Walton, and uh, I'm here with Stu Butler. Hi, Stu. Hello, Phil. Uh, I won't make any jokes about your mispronunciation there, because I could get. We could get bombarded with emails from uh, people who I may have offended from whatever country they think I tried to impersonate. <laughs> It's a completely inclusive podcast, so if you have a very much so, you are very welcome here as well. Yes. Uh, anyway, right, false start and uh, all that, but we'll uh, we'll just we'll just ride it out and uh, crack on. Just keep him well. How are you doing? Really good. Um, I am on a slight digital detox. Not necessarily taking your lead from the other day. I am. I am reducing my trying to reduce my screen time predominantly in the evenings, but trying to uh, filter out a bit of social media. It just not completely. I use it a lot, but just filter it out a bit. My screen time, as discussed previously, has been up around four hours at weekends and easily around three hours during the day. So this week I have had no screen time after seven o'clock. Uh, and I actually, well, no, no iPads or phones, and I haven't actually turned. We haven't actually turned the telly on this week yet. Monday, Tuesday, I know it's only Wednesday, so no telly yet. Uh, I've read half of Jeremy Clarkson's book that my in-laws gave me for Christmas, so it's been quite good. And I'm keeping up with another chapter of my podcast book that I promised you I'd finish. Good, very good. I'm proud of you. Well done. No, the uh, the social media um, kind of moratorium on my side is working well. I kind of just with kind of activities around cycling clubs and those sorts of things, I have to check in every so often, but I've found a way to link Instagram to Facebook and, uh, and Twitter. So I actually don't have to do an awful lot. Um, so that's worked out all right and I'm not missing it at all. I'm 19 days without actually, um, checking in to see if I've got any messages or any, or what's going on in the world. And I feel a whole lot better for it. Oh, that's that's good. I haven't I haven't been um, I haven't been tagging you when I've pushed put things out just because I didn't want you to uh, get the notifications and wonder what was going on. So so well done you. And is that a um, can you see this being a. Uh... It's, it's a means to um, breaking it down. I, you know, okay. what I don't want to do is lose contact with people because, you know, me and you reconnected through Facebook. Yeah. So um, it has its place. But just to break a bad habit um, uh, with Facebook and Twitter particularly and just, uh, you know, put myself back in control rather than the screen controlling me. Yeah, good man. So, Quite right, too. Yeah. So um, enough of the pleasantries and the and the preamble and the brab bumbling along. Um, so we've got an episode uh, planned for now where we're actually going to talk about goals um, and and setting them um which which is good i think we have been i think we'd said just before uh, we started recording we're both looking forward to kind of uh talking yeah. given that we've done some research on it um which is good but before we get stuck into it 
Um, let's just project forward on the horizon. Next episode coming along, we've got a, a guest joining us. Tell us about that, Stu. Yeah, well, I've got a, a gentleman. His name's Adam Coleman. I I I bumped into him on Twitter, basically. Uh, I caught a few of his... Adam uh, has a similar story to me. It's alcoholism-based. Uh, he is in recovery. Uh, he is working through a program called It Starts Monday, a group. Uh, on I think they all get together it's it's a paid subscription via Curtis oh what's the name Curtis Woodhouse is it the yep. uh, footballer and Boxer. English boxing champion yeah. or um, so but he is actually putting out short clips on Twitter basically da- little short daily videos but they I just caught a couple of them and he's just something about him caught my attention and I fired him a message off and we talked for about 35 minutes on Saturday and his story, well not that it's a pissing up the war competition but his story blows my story out of the water by far Um, what he has been through over a period of his life so Adam is going to come on and it will be a it will be a life story really over a period of one episode and Adam hopefully will come back and join us again in the future but it, we will go through all manner of things uh, it will be starting at the bottom where it was really bad um, Adam will give us a brief background of himself talk us through the bad points right up to the good stuff so hopefully there'll be a lot more positives than negatives but as we know with addiction and recovery it always starts low but we will talk through that but then hopefully uh, Adam will you know, we will learn or Adam will share with us what he's been through to get to where he is today, which is a very, very positive influence across Twitter. And in his It Starts Monday group, he's been doing it for a year now. He's lost some weight. He's found his mental health. He's found a happy place, which which is, I think, what everyone strives for. And, and particularly in recovery, if you can find happiness, you really are halfway there to cracking it, I reckon. Absolutely. So that sounds exciting. Sounds like a good guest to, to have on. So we'll look forward to that. Um, let's talk about then today's uh, episode with uh, with uh, goals. Goal. Uh, My first goal, Phil, is to remind everyone to like, rate and review. I always forget. Okay. If you, so please like this. If you're watching it on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're, watch, if you're catching us just in your earphones, just drop us a five-star review and share it around. That's the other thing I would ask. We love the reviews. Thanks for everyone who has. Thanks for everyone who's favorited us via Anchor and Spotify. If you can share it, it's just one simple click, but it really does help us with the algorithm, that word I always struggle with. Um, we want to get this out there, not to generate money, but to generate recovery within the community. So now let's talk goal setting Phil sorry that's all right no worries no you're quite right so um <clears throat> this was your angle actually so um give us the uh give us the context of why how how you wanted to talk about this and where you want to uh, where you want to start well it's it's still January you know I've been this new year new me I've not signed up to new year new me but I see it a lot on social media and you know I set I set some goals last year, New Year's resolutions, if you will. Um, and I've set some some 
maybe harsher ones on myself this year. But it got me to thinking about, you know, in recovery, and this won't be just about recovery this episode, but I have had to be very careful with my goal setting. But as my as I have achieved my goals and as I have moved, you know, towards a happy, stable life four years into sobriety, I'm able to set is strenuous or harder to achieve goals. And I'm actually finding that I'm able to work towards them with a very disciplined, regimental approach almost. And I just thought, why don't we look into today how the textbooks tell us you should set goals and work towards them. But then I wanted to offset that somewhat with from a recovery perspective, because uh, let's be honest, it's all very well. If I if if you're of stable mind and you are, are not a recovering addict or you have you're not suffering from any trauma in your life. You can set a goal. I'm going to run a marathon. Let's say I'd like I'd like to run a marathon. That's quite an achievable goal. And with a certain amount of training, disciplined training, disciplined diet, you will probably get there. And if you fail, then it's not the end of the world. You've got a bit fitter. You've probably learned something about yourself, and hopefully, you understand why you failed. But your life will carry on. Hopefully, as per normal. And in recovery, if you set yourself a goal that you might not achieve, uh, or if you set the bar a little bit too high, in the simplest terms, recovery or failure could quite easily equal relapse. And that is what you always want to avoid when you're in recovery. So today I thought hopefully we could we could look at goal setting and hopefully we could look about or work out how in recovery, you can still set goals and they still need to be set. You know, there has to be a certain amount of hard work towards them, but you also have to have this quite conscious or be quite conscious of the fact that if it's yourself or you're working with someone, that they need to be able to achieve and a failure, if there is going to be a failure or a setback getting to these goals, then it has to be very carefully managed because you don't want uh, failure to equal relapse. <clears throat> okay. So, so, yeah, it sounds like from a, yeah, in a non-addiction world, the consequences or the stakes are just not as high. Like you say, you fail at running a marathon, you know, shit happens, but you'll probably get over it quite quickly. But even a small failure in, in uh, for, a, for an addict could be a trigger for, for a yeah. relapse. Triggers are, triggers are a very good word. I wish I'd said that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so you've you've talked about setting some goals for yourself, and um, like we talked on the last episode about things like you want to cook more. Yeah. You know, and even with something quite as mundane as cooking more, if that start if the wheels start to come off in that sense for for a uh, an addict. That you, you're saying that even something quite as mundane as that might be a trigger for, you know, I've set myself this goal that I'm going to cook every Tuesday for the next six months. And if you get into the first three weeks and you've only done it once, that could be a trigger. Yeah. 
I think potentially, I think potentially yeah. in early recovery, I think anything, any slight, and that's the problem, isn't it? Because you can't wrap anyone up in cotton wool. And yeah. you, I think you have to approach someone in recovery with a certain amount of the, the softly, softly kid glove approach. You can't wrap them up in cotton wool. You have to expose them to the potential risks. But, yeah, I mean, that would seem like something as simple as that would seem like a very achievable goal, wouldn't it? Uh, and, and should be. Um, but. So I, I agree. I think it I think it should be. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to get into is kind of you talked a little bit earlier on about kind of the what the textbooks say and what the textbooks say and then how we build that into our daily lives can be very different. Yeah. Um, and I quite like the cooking analogy because it should be really simple. And I think it's important. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity to sorry to go through kind of what the textbook would say in terms of what you want to do. Yeah. Versus actually how you're going to get there. So. Yeah. Things like the textbooks will say, and this is kind of well-trodden, easily trodden, but also easily misunderstood as well. They talk about smart objectives. Yes. So objectives that are smart, so specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Okay, so really, really simple. And then you can kind of break that down a little bit. So be specific about your your deadline, about your about your uh, what it is that you want to do, Stu. So you want to cook yeah okay. yeah but be specific because cooking can be putting hot water on pot noodles it can be microwaved beans on toast yeah or it could be you know lobster thermidor with you know the works so what is the specific around your cooking ah oh, my specific aim for this year was to cook more uh to cook more well to cook from scratch, let's be honest, that's what I wanted to do more of. Um, I didn't want to be putting chicken nuggets and oven chips in the oven for my daughter and packet pizzas and shop-bought coleslaw on the plate for me and my wife. Uh, yeah. And it's something that I'd gotten into, a not a nasty habit, a lazy habit of over the last two years. And bear in mind that the two years before that, I was sort of, learning to be sober so I wasn't much good then so it's probably been five years because there was the year the really heavy year of active addiction uh, and so it's probably five years since I used to come home regularly and peel spuds peel carrots chop cucumbers you know make pasta sauces from the tomatoes from my garden all the things that I used to do and I've always enjoyed doing uh, and moved away from so specifically yeah I wanted to get back to as much as I could preparing perhaps that's the word I'm looking for preparing and then cooking a family meal most evenings most evening okay so this is and this is the thing this is where it starts to become fun stroke fucking annoying because you've just said cooking from scratch so yeah. how far does that go in terms of specifics? Does that mean if you're going to have pasta, you're going to make your pasta? If you're no, going to have pizza, if you're sadly not, it could, okay. couldn't it? it? It could. Yeah. If you're yeah. going to if you're going to make pizza, are you going to make the base yourself? Um, you know, those sorts of things. So I think people just get the misunderstanding that it's going to be OK. It's specific enough to say 
I'm going to peel some veg and cook a home cooked dinner from scratch. But actually, when we start to move through the 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 rest of that, it actually requires a bit more. Something as simple as I want to cook most nights and even most nights is not specific. Yeah. So self an out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then and then if you leave yourself an out at some point, you're going to take it. Yes. Yeah. As um, I as I as I put in our notes off screen that we've exchanged, wishy, wishy washy goals allow people to cheat. Yeah. Uh, and human nature is to find the easiest route or the easiest solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we are tired at the end of the day or potentially under stress, uh, it is very, very easy to convince ourselves that um, it's not cheating by pouring the water on the pot noodle or it's not cheating by heating up the macaroni cheese from the freezer when realistically we know to make a pretty half decent macaroni cheese is probably only going to take us 25 minutes but we very easily convince ourselves to not do that um that is human nature um so yeah uh so yeah specific yeah. So then if we moved on to yeah. yeah, if we move on to measurable and on the face of it, measurable looks like, you know, have I done it? You yeah. know, if I'm gonna say most nights, let's 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 challenge that and be specific. Let's say every weeknight and yeah. then you've got cheat weekend, whatever it is that you want to do. But um one, it's measurable from that point of view, but two, is it measurable from a success in that um did you burn it? Did it taste nice? Did everybody enjoy it? Yeah. The the measures don't just, you know, it's not just ticking the box. It's about adding value to that as well. So again, it kind of, you have to really, is it, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze as they say with it all, you know, (laughs) if you're making something that nobody else wants to eat, then kind of what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. And we are, and to be honest, I, I have cooked most nights this year. Um, but I am still preparing more often than not. I am preparing something for me and my wife, and I'm preparing something that I know our daughter will eat as well. We're trying to make it one meal, but uh, for the sake of everyone's sanity and for the sake Mm of the little one having food in her stomach, um, yeah. So is that cheating? I don't know. it's if we're talking about measurable her plate is empty most more often than not when it potentially wouldn't be and uh yeah i mean if we're measuring it about my stress levels compared to um when i'm not trying to make an effort to cook it's a lot more stressful i've noticed so and again again, kind of your measures are um what you make them so that it's not you know, if you put if you set the set the bar so high, you're going to fail. You know, is it got to be that uh, daughter has a clean plate every single every single time? That's probably, you know, setting yourself up to fail. So, yeah, yes. Is it measurable? Yes. But what is what does success looks like against those measures is is kind of a, an interesting concept as well. I think, yeah. you know, achievable or attainable, you know, that often fits in with 
is it realistic? So the A and ER often come together. Is it achievable? Is it realistic? So setting yourself up to cook seven nights a week doesn't allow for an off day. Setting yourself for every weekday doesn't allow for, you know, kind of if Mrs. Butler has a, you know, a regular sewing club that she goes to or, yeah. you know, you go to AA or child at swimming lessons or whatever. It doesn't always take that into account. Yeah. So the attainable and realistic are all kind of like thrown in together because success, it's your success. What does success look like for you? But like you said earlier on, the, the failure is that, you know, once you failed once, it's easy just to take that path of least resistance and kind of go, well, fuck, fuck this challenge up. So why bother? Sort of yeah. And that's um, that's I'm going to go slightly off. um off the beaten track here, what you've just said, it's just, I've, I've followed a guy on Twitter. I'm not going to mention a name at all, but I followed a guy on Twitter for numerous years and he has once again in the middle of January failed dry January. Uh And I I read it today and I just know, knowing we had this in mind, I was just like, my first thought was why bother? Because it happens every year. But then my second thought is, well, no, well done. You tried. And then a third thought was, did he ever really, was he ever really going to succeed? Yeah. Because I think this is the fourth year he's failed dry January. So, yeah, with this in mind today, I thought, how could one go about addressing that problem uh, he's obviously setting himself a goal he, he's yeah yeah i won't mention any more because it might give it away yeah um, yeah no I don't, but i think what <clears throat> what that example just illustrates really is that and like we're talking about with these smart objectives and you know the the, the final one being time time limited or time bound you know giving yourself that deadline so his deadline was 31st of, of january but as we've illustrated through this, that if you're actually going to deliver on these goals, it actually requires one some preparation. You know, yeah. have you got your ingredients? Have you have you got the right nights of the week and all of that sort of stuff? But it also requires a fundamental change. Yes. So if you're still socialising with the same people, going to the same places throughout January, the temptation will be that you're going to that person would have a drink. Yeah. And likewise, if you're trying to cook a five course meal seven nights a week the reality is that that's going to wear thin pretty quickly yeah Uh, and you know the nuggets will be in the in the in the cooker before you know it yes and there will be a there will be yeah and that and and almost that's another year written off because (laughs) i mean it's happened it's i i think did i set out two years ago I set out, I set a very simple task. It was cooking related again. I was going to cook. I have an abundance. I have a a small library of cooking books, as my wife likes to joke about. And two years ago, I set a very, what I thought was achievable task of cooking one meal a week from my cookbooks. And I'd failed by February and I didn't start again. Right. Uh, I don't know if I, and that should have been massively achievable. To be honest, in the end, I completely forgot about it. But after, I think, the third week or the fourth week in January when I didn't do it, 
I I can't remember what I was thinking, but I just it would yeah, and that was it for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, so. And then and this is our an interesting. Uh, this is an episode on its own, actually. Our, our relationship with failure. Yeah. Because failure to a lot of people means I can't do it. Why bother? Whereas to those people who generally succeed in life in whatever discipline or, or, or whatever it is that they do, they see failure as a learning opportunity. Yeah. And where we look at things like New Year's resolutions or, or goals to, to achieve in the new year, we actually treat them like birthday wishes. We actually expect that they're not going to come true. Right. Yeah. So you kind of like, oh, I'm going to do this for an entire year. Very few people actually get through that. And the people that do are dedicated and um, uh, commit to learning where they've gone wrong as well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you in that in that example year where you've said, I'm going to cook once a week out of my cookbook, messing it up by February and then going, right, OK, what's stopping me? That yeah. was a learning opportunity. All right, I did it for 11 and a half months rather than 12. But, you know, bloody good effort. Yeah, that's it. And that's, I should, yeah, I should have. You shouldn't, yeah, you should. Failure in the early stage of something shouldn't mean that the the end goal, it still is achievable. Mm. Uh, I mean, dry, 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 dry January isn't achievable if you have a drink on the 19th, but pretty dry January or going dry from the 19th to the 31st will still come with a a learning experience and, and a sense of achievement. All right, I dropped the ball or, you know, for whatever reasons, but I got back on and I understood why. And, yeah, it's, you know, 30 out of 31. If you're not a recovering alcoholic, that's a still a pretty good January. Yeah, I also see the, uh, the there's an interesting uh, thing that I, I find around. So dry January people uh, will often fail at, and there are other kind of month-long challenges like that. But the one that seems to succeed pretty well because people just love looking like dickheads is Movember. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, you know, um, and there there will be psychology around that because you feel like you're depriving yourself of alcohol when you're doing dry January you're not really depriving yourself maybe a, a bit of kind of self-esteem and uh, and respect if you if you grow a nasty moustache but you know Movember doesn't really feel like you're losing anything in fact you're, no. gain, you're gaining something you're gaining a new friend on your upper lip, upper lip yeah I did I did it for two years and uh, yeah uh, my wife fiance girlfriend one year fiance the second year she hated it both times same person <laughs> yeah, she wasn't Mrs. Butler. She wasn't. Yeah. Mrs. She was the second year. She was a Mrs. Butler to be. Um, but yeah, down and he's not done it again. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was told that I would never be doing that again. Yeah, but the um, just bringing us back onto the onto the uh, onto the beaten track. Um, the when we've talked about kind of AA. And yeah. the language around that is absolutely perfect for, um, you know, people in crisis who want to achieve goals. And those goals are so clear 
and so time bound and realistic in the way that we've just described those smart objectives. And you've described before, it's like, really, the only thing that you're focused on is get to the end of the day without a drink. But if that's far away, get to the end of the hour without a drink. And if that's too far away, get to the end of this minute without a drink. And actually, that is absolutely perfect in terms of just this great big idea of I'm going to do 12 months or I'm going to be sober for life and bringing it right down to the minutia of what do I need to do right now to get through this bit? Yeah. Is, um, yeah, I think the, the, I don't, I know we had a lot to say about AA and the, and the meetings, but that was one thing that I thought was absolutely spot on with just getting you beyond, not you personally, but getting people beyond those crisis moments. Yeah, and it's that theory. It's a, it's such a simple theory. Well, the two theories of one day at a time, you know, if and if you don't have that first drink, you can't get drunk. But yeah, being well, people battling um, that want to consume alcohol minute by minute, hour by hour. But yeah, I mean, people, if people are struggling, you know, if people, you know, if you're listening to this thinking every New Year's resolution, I fail it by the middle of January. Um, I'm not not suggesting you adopt a recovery type approach, but if you if you read into some of the mindsets of addiction recovery, um, it could certainly put you on the track of. You know, I'm not going to eat chocolate. Don't think I'm not going to eat chocolate. If you say that at the start of the year, if you, you know, the 1st of February is a long way off if you're going to have a month off the chocolate. But tomorrow, you just think to yourself, well, I'll get through to tomorrow. 31 days will go pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And you'll lose a few pounds and save a few quid. Unless you're substituting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to eat chocolate, but I'm going to eat crisps instead. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm interested. I mean, I didn't weigh myself, but I'm I'm interested to see. So I've been, I've obviously off, off a few things, pizza and ice cream and blah, blah, blah. So I've been substituting my sort of Cornetto or my Mars ice cream bar that I'd have every couple of days to, I've substituted that with a very boring and mundane, um, very cheap rocket ice lolly from the freezer. So that's about 90 calories. And what's a Cornetto is about 230 calories. So I'll be interested to see at the end of the month. You know, and I'm not su- I'm not substituting the chocolate with anything you know, or the Haribo. So let's see how that goes. But yeah, getting back to the point. Yeah, if you break it down into smaller portions, you know, a year's a hell of a long time, a month's a hell of a long time, a week's a long time for some, but a day isn't quite so long and it and you, you know you get to the end of it get yourself to sleep wake up and, and go again yeah and that's kind of where i am at the moment from so i'm on this little on a health kick which i hope will um, extend beyond january it's much more uh longer term than that but things like you know snacking has not been a, a good friend of mine so yeah. so you know, and working from home, you have to walk past the fridge all the time. And it's just a disaster for me. So, <laughs> you know, it starts with not having snacks in the house. Yes. That, that makes it harder to snack if you haven't got anything to snack on. Yeah. Um, and But I, I give myself a treat. So 
there are there are still some chocolates and stuff knocking around from Christmas. I'll have a small piece of chocolate. So it'll be like a dairy milk. It'll be one square. Yeah. Some, some point in the evening, that's my treat for getting through that far, as opposed to necking a whole bar of chocolate through <laughs> during the day or get through half a packet of biscuits while I'm on a, a flipping meeting that I'm not interested in. Yeah. You know, you just fill the time with biscuits and, and, and tea and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. But yeah, everything, everything in moderation is, is a nonsense thing because if you've done things to extremes in the past, we've talked about this in another, in another episode, but if you've done things to extremes in the past and expect moderation to get you somewhere, then it's complete bullshit. Yeah. Then you're setting yourself up to fail. But, um, you know, so there's, there's my snacking and then I've got to, I've, set myself a target of exercising five days out of seven that's good and and i'm so far we're at the 19th of january and I've, i'm succeeding with that good so that, well okay, done an indoor run an outdoor sorry an outdoor run an outdoor bike ride or an indoor bike ride so one of those three is happening <laughs> i'm sure some people who, who might not be into turbo trainers are, try, are picturing you up and down the stairs around your landing on a very small bicycle about now. Yeah, well, two rolling pins. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like yeah. to see you on an indoor bike ride. Yeah, well, you know, maybe we'll share that on a video at some point. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, so where are we going next? Um, there was kind of a, chat, a bit of chat really around. So we've touched on recovery and goal setting from a, a physical drinking point of view, but as we've discussed at length um, in the past, it's all interlinked with physical health, mental health, yeah. and kind of actually, and you you hit the nail on, a, on the head, and it was a nail that I didn't know existed when we were talking about your story about, it's actually got to mean something. If you're yeah. going to stop being drunk, you've got to, there's got to be happiness at the end of that. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. yeah. And talk that, about talk about that from kind of goal setting then, I guess. Well, I I just um I just as I was making notes for this podcast and, and researching and and doing stuff that I haven't done since I studied for that degree that I don't use many moons ago. <laughs> Not quite as many moons ago as you. You do use your degree, <laughs> but I actually I just ended up ranking. Um, sort of my goals in recovery in order of importance and and just to make sure this is my opinion this hasn't been taken from, from anything but it was just four were they goals they, they probably were looking back they might not have been goals they, they they were just things that I achieved along the way but but now if I was to help someone uh, you know, do some mentoring or, or sponsoring in a non-AA kind of way. They'd probably be four things that I would would use. Um, but they, in order of importance, uh, it ends with happiness. But to get to happiness, first I had to get sober, so sobriety. And that is the, the AA, the one day at a time. You'll see it hashtagged on a lot of recovery things. But that was, you know, from a pure standpoint in its purest form that is that was my one goal for the rest of my life sobriety uh, and if anything else came along from you know if if my family you know 
if if I'd ended up on my own, you know, my, if my if my wife had decided it was too much, uh, if my parents had decided I'd done too much, but but I was sober, you know, I still had I still could have a fulfilling life of some description. You know, I'd probably be a miserable sod, blah blah blah. But I had to be sober. I had to be sober, and and then for me, what came next was mental health and well-being. Uh, because I was mentally in a horrible place. But once I got sober I, and the, my mind, the mind fog cleared, I I was able to work on my mental health. Uh, and when my, once my mental health was on the up, I was able to con- concentrate or bring physical health into it. So we've gone from sober to working on mental health, then up to my physical health and tried to, you know, build my body back up to a point. And then the fourth point of this chat is happiness. Happiness came as a byproduct of the three previous. So sobriety, mental health and physical health. They don't equal happiness, but they helped me achieve happiness. And I'm, you know, 500% happier the last sort of 18 months to two years than I have been at any point in my life, you know, I've had some very happy times in my life um, that I look back with in fondness, you know, times in the Czech Republic, Holland, you know, certain workplaces in the UK, I was very happy, but I was drinking and uh, there was always, you know, problems with my drinking, even when, you know, we discussed it in podcasts, you know, I look back at times when I was obviously displaying anxiety and or depression um and i was self-medicating with drink for 20 years so so yeah that's you know sobriety had to come first i was then able to work on my mental health after that i was able to work on my physical health and all those three combined to to you know me being a happier person so they are certain they're certainly what i would look to encourage whether people do it in that order you know some people you know a lot of people might get sober and then you see a lot of addicts you see particularly stuff i see in america there's a lot of these endurance athletes you know world-class endurance athletes are recovering addicts so they just they don't necessarily swap the the whiskey bottle for the running shoes but it seems to it seems to be so maybe a lot of people might put sobriety physical health the physical health allows them, gives them the time, you know, go and run for two hours a day. That helps you to maybe become at peace with your mind. I don't know. Yeah. So you'd said something just now about um, happiness being a byproduct of those things. Um, Did you have to, or do you think you should work on being happy, work on happiness? Because it's, you had to work at sobriety. You had to then focus on mental health. I had to focus and work on physical health. Yeah. Does happiness, this is a quite a uh, hypothetical, metaphorical kind of, I don't know, off on a real tangent here question. Do you have, you to- do have to work on happiness, but then on the flip side of that, happiness is, should be a human right. Shouldn't it? You know, if we, you should, we should all be entitled to happiness um but it's i guess it depends on what happiness means to you as well because 
the outward expression of happiness might be, you know, stereotypically, it's a smile on your face with a, a very pleasurable demeanour that's kind of, um, you know, is welcoming and unoffensive and those sorts of things. But um, like you say, some people are absolutely happiest when they've got something to grumble about. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I don't know if you watched it, it was a couple of years ago now, but um, Ricky Gervais, Steve Merchant and the dude who was actually the idiot, whose name I can't remember, but he was the idiot abroad. It was a sky. Oh, Kyle. Carl Pilkinson. 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 Like that. Had, a, had talk... a holiday home in Deal. Oh, did he? Okay. But they um, they were talking to him, but, you know, send him all over the world. He was just bloody miserable the whole time. I watched and... series one. Yeah. Yeah. So another, uh, yeah, I can't remember how many there were. There weren't that many. But at one episode, Ricky Gervais asked Carl Pilkinson, you know, you moan all the time. Nothing ever seems to be good enough for you. When are you happiest? And he took a long time to answer. But he just said, I think when I'm comfortable. Do you know, from happiness, happiness and mental health, I think, for me, would go pretty closely together. And I think I would measure, I measure my mental health quite easily in a sense but, but how well i'm sleeping almost I, if i'm sleeping quite well mm. pretty much you know things are pretty good you know in my world or i know things are pretty good in my world if i'm sleeping well which i do a lot more often than not nowadays um but yeah we're just, like for years of my life i was i wanted to be seen as miserable uh, it made me unapproachable which I also wanted. I didn't want to be bothered. I only wanted to speak to people if I approached them. Um, but these were the periods, you know, this was up to four years ago from the, from the age I, from the time I left school to the age of 37, I was consuming vast amounts of something that we know makes us more miserable than happy really in the long run, you know, yeah. Alcohol is puts a downer on the mood more often than it puts an upper. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, yeah. I think it's an interesting. It kind of goes back right to the very beginning about if one of your goals is being happy, you know, it has to be definable. Yeah. Um, and you know, how you, you know, the specifics and the measurable of that, and. How long do you need to be happy for, for you to say that on the whole, I'm happy? Can you have some unhappy moments? And um, yeah, it's a hard one, really, to I understand what you say about it being a byproduct. And I think um, comparing the Stuart of 2022 versus the Stuart of 2017, if that's the comparison, then it's measurable in terms yeah. of happiness, then it's very clear. But you know, as an ongoing part of your sobriety, will happiness in 2026 be as good as, better or worse than 2022? And is all of those outcomes acceptable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. For me, for me, in the last... I'm... I've I've come to the conclusion that I I am a happier person when I am working towards something 
um, that took me a long time to work out because for 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 the period, let's say the period of yeah, between 30 and 34, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I went through a period of my life where I didn't really have any work goals, but I was happy at work. I was happy taking my paycheck home, doing my 40 hours and taking my paycheck home, taking my paycheck home and watching telly most evenings, going out with friends at the weekends, playing sport, playing some golf during the week. Uh, in the in the summer months, uh, I was a happy person. I wasn't an alcoholic at that time. Um, I think I was single, um, and I was enjoying life. But I had no direction, and I would go through. If I if I look back, I there were periods within say a period of a year. There would be periods of weeks where I would suffer from anxiety and not and and then i would medicate with alcohol but for all intents and purposes i was happy in those periods but i had absolutely no direction and no goals now after last year my money goal that went better me and my wife still discuss it and she thinks it was a complete failure but it wasn't so i'm not having any of that <laughs> it was a successful year and yeah. my running my my time my times didn't improve i still run nine to ten minute miles i don't think they'll ever get any quicker that's a physical thing i don't th i think i'm well you know i'm obviously over my peak and i just don't think i'm ever but i increased my mileage and i feel so much better about that uh, my waistline didn't decrease much but my mental state was improved it is improved through physical exercise so i now know that I have to keep exercise. I want to keep exercising, but but my French, or I, I I I did it last week. My two hours. I've done about yeah. You know, we're on Thursday. I've done about an hour and a quarter of French this week. I will try and do. I will try and get that up to two hours by Sunday. I'm never. I'm not going to do two hours every week, but I am happier and I sleep better. I'm sleeping better. I sleep better when. I seem to not necessarily strive might be the wrong, but it might be too strong because I'm not striving, but I am working towards it and I'm setting it. I'm setting them out in podcasts. I'm setting them out in blogs. And that really does seem to hold me accountable, more accountable, which I like. I like that. So perhaps that's, you know, that would go back to the measurable aspect of the smart, of yeah. the smart system. Very good. Okay. Somehow we've got way beyond our allotted time. Um, <laughs> there is so much more to talk about. So we'll have a chat at some point about whether we're going to do a part two of goal setting or whether we're going to uh, move on to other subjects. But um, well, yeah, it flies every time. And uh, yeah, really interesting. I think some of those things that you've spoken about as well, I think we're kind of spend some time thinking myself about, you know, just how how I'm going to be able to bring my goals for this year into a, an even more kind of micro view so that I can just kind of get clarity on where I'm going to go with it over the next yeah. six months specifically. So that's, that's something I want to, I want to, you know, if, it, if it's my French, I mean, my cooking will, will look after itself really because 
we've we've on a good routine of buying decent produce in and and that's that's more than enough and limiting the bad produce but it's the french it's something like that that if i'm not careful will slip uh so i think i almost do have to you know i've got the duolingo so i can do 10 minutes in my break at work i can you know when when i get in from when the little one gets in from school i can do 15 minutes on babel but I need to, I do still need to make sure there is a structure because I'll, I'll slip. And before we know it, you know, an hour has gone past in this podcast. But before I know it, a month will have gone past. And yep. yeah, and that's what's lethal because then 12 months have gone. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. OK, so um, and you get you, you get to practice your friends when you go uh, flying down slopes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, That'll be good. Um, okay, so our next episode will be hopefully before you get away to France, uh, and it will be with I've forgotten his name. Adam Coleman. Yeah, Adam Adam's Coleman. Keen, is it? Adam's keen to uh, record next week, um, so that would be good. That will be, as we said, that will be a standalone episode, but that will be that will be obviously uh, addiction recovery based. It will be a a bio or a, a, Adam will run us through his life, the ups, the downs. Uh, and I've also got another young lady I'm I'm chatting with. She's going to come. She's keen to come on. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't, sorry, Mrs. Butler. Um, <laughs> but uh, I won't mention any names till that. She has confirmed today that she would love to come on and have a chat with us. Um, having spoke with Becca, I don't want to say it would be good to bring a female perspective to things because addiction isn't gender-based. But um, just another story and i will be interested to hear another you know female story of addiction because uh, rightly or wrongly i think a lot of people will still picture an alcoholic as probably a male sitting somewhere cold swigging a strong cider uh, and you know we know that it's it's not it's not that so so adam's story is certainly going to be eye-opening and then there will be another story to come after the 7th of february um that is when in discussions we've said we we won't be able to record before then but but she is certainly keen to come on and have a chat with us phil very good okay so um light light like rate review yeah it's reached the end of the uh, the episode um there was also a chap called Tom who had emailed into the Henry Weston's old mate hwomthepod at gmail.com. His name's Tom from the States. It's yeah, Tom, nice Mr. Mr. Tom Werner. Uh, he's um, he's in the greenkeeping for, you know, he's a turfy. He dropped me a wonderful email. He'd he'd caught a blog I wrote and, and caught a podcast, uh, and he was very impressed with, with what we were putting out. So his words, not ours. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So hi, Tom, and thanks for that. But anybody else who wants to uh, send a message or uh, any discussion points you want us to cover, then, uh, yeah, be in touch. Um, that's about it, isn't it? That is, mate. I don't know where the time's gone. Um, we haven't got, I'm not even, I had six pages of notes and I've turned two pages over. That's where it goes. Excellent. Good. Means we're talking a lot of shit. But anyway, um, right. Well, we will see you next week uh, with Adam. And uh, really look forward to it. We've got some homework to do. But um, until then, have a good week, Stu. Yeah, and you, Phil. Being a pleasure to chat as always, mate. Cheers, pal.